0: You are now tuned in to the Believe Podcast Network. Do you believe? This is Superlative, a podcast about watches, the people behind them, and the worlds that inspire them. Spending time with the blog to watch community and the stories we discover. Let's get started. Hey, everyone. This is Arielle Adams with the Superlative Podcast. I am joined by... Fellow a blog to watcher, Uh, he is uh, part of our senior editorial team. uh, Bilal Khan, welcome back. Hey, how's it going, Ariel? Good. So the last time we did a show together was a sort of an a blog to watch version of an unboxing where we had a bunch of watches in and we just opened them up and took a look at them for a lot of sort of first impressions. We're going to do the same thing today. It's actually been a few months since we did that one, so we have a slew of watches here. And I think what's important to convey in this is what a lot of our initial reactions are. When we write a review, it's a little bit cleaner. We spend time thinking about it, being articulate. But there's sort of this immediate response that you and I get when we see a watch and we want to try to capture that because it's fun. Um, How important is it for you to have this sort of like opening ritual? You know, watches come in the mail all the time. You, do you just open the box right away? Do you sort of wait for, you know, the right instance when your, your mind is clear? Tell us about your sort of own personal style and opening watches when they come in.
1: For me, I tend to wait until I have to shoot it or write about it. Just because with COVID, there are, are so many packages that we have in and out that I can't open them as, as soon as they come. Um, it is kind of fun. It's kind of like a Christmas present. Uh, oftentimes, it is a lump of coal in the <laughs> present. But I don't think any of the ones that we have here are going to be...
0: So, Okay, so let's explain that. Because, you know, what what would make a lump of coal? Is it just a boring watch? Is it one that you uh, don't want to wear? A disappointment. So you were, you were looking forward to more, and then you see it in real life, and yep. it's not as nice. Yeah. The internet does a pretty good job at hyping things, doesn't it?
1: Yeah. I mean, it must happen... To you, pretty frequently, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, one of Or these, is it just me? No, it's not just you. I. Here's the thing. One of the things that a blog to watch has been a part of, and I think it's been accelerated by social media, is this sort of getting excited about things before you ever see it because other people get excited about it. And it's not difficult using Photoshop and all types of other photo manipulation to make watches look amazing, make the lighting look great, make them look cool, and how a watch actually reacts to the light, how it feels in your hand is very different than seeing pictures of it. Oh, absolutely. You know, some pieces are really nice, but they just
1: don't look that great in photos because they're too polished or they don't have AR coding. So a picture can only go so far. Um, When it's in your hands... It can be a great feeling or just a very sad one.
0: Once in a while, there also the other thing happens, and you're pleasantly surprised. Oh, yeah. It happens pretty frequently, actually. Where there's either a, a new brand that actually has a quite competent watch or something that you didn't think that was cool, and in person, it, it just has a better character. Especially, sometimes it doesn't happen until you actually put it on the wrist. Can you think of one that you just had? Um... That's a good. That's a good question. I think that sometimes, like seemingly strange and weird watches. For example, okay, I'll give you a perfect example. We just ran a review of a watch from a company called Crude. Okay. Oh yeah. You're laughing because well, the, the comment section was quite lively. Right. The comment section was quite lively, and when you just take a look at this watch, you can come to a lot of negative conclusions about it if you don't know who it was meant for and how it kind of looks on the wrist. I, the first time I saw this watch ever was on someone's wrist. Like I met with a guy here in LA, he showed it to me. Like I never actually saw it in person before, or online before I saw it in person. So I was able to get a very different image of the watch based on how it looks in real life. If you just saw images of that watch floating in space, you could really not appreciate how it complements a certain style and how it looks on the wrist. Right. That's an interesting case. That
1: watch is, uh, it's not for everyone, for sure. But in person, you do get some more of the details
0: that are not conveyed so clearly in pictures. And sometimes it's just about matching with the style. You know, there's certain watches that, like, if you're not wearing the right jacket, the right outfit, whatever. What's the right outfit for that watch? A lot of leather and chains. Okay, I'm sold. Yeah, you know. Like there's this lifestyle that I think a lot of people don't associate with luxury, even though it is. And that lifestyle is sort of the, I'll call them the rich rambler. You know, they're the person that spends extra money to 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 fix up uh, like an old muscle car, even though they can afford like, you know, a, a new luxury car. The people that kind of have a lot of like men's jewelry, like rings and things like that. It's It's kind of like some extension of, like, the rich Hell's Angel thing or, like, rock and roller lifestyle. Very kind of California. maid horn, kind of. Yeah, like the guy that would wear a maid horn would wear a crude watch. I think that's totally correct, yeah. And here in L.A., we see a lot of those characters, but in certain parts of the world, you just would never see them. In many parts of the world, you would not see them. Or, you know, it would be sort of the strange... Like, I remember in Japan, for example, there's a certain type of guy... I guess women as well, that reaches a certain point where they can be very avant-garde. Japan seems to be mostly conformist, but certain types of people reach a level where they can be truly original in themselves. And there's different ways that they manifest this, but I'm sure those those guys that they that gravitate towards like that biker rock and roll lifestyle. Right. It doesn't represent most of the watch wearers, but there are some of them that take on sort of more of a a costume approach to it. Right. If that makes any sense. Okay, so let's jump into it. Let's let's look at some of the watches that we got here. So I'm opening up now. This is the Tag Heuer. Oh, oh, right. Now this is the hot is, one. Yeah, this is a neat one. This is a limited edition Aqua Racer with Bamford. And I think as the story goes, George Bamford had an Aqua Racer when he was younger, and decided he would work with Tag Heuer today to sort of make. The, the Aqua Racer that he wanted. So this this, rep, this uses the sort of modern Aqua Racer construction, but in a way that makes it look very retro. Um, Bamford has been working with LVMH for the last few years, doing you know some Tag Heuer watches and some Zenith watches. And what's really great about it is that back in the day, Bamford had to aftermarket modify stuff. Right. Now he can sort of do his design, you know, from the construction. So it's sort of like the best Bamford watches are actually coming out today. And I'm putting this on, the, on my wrist. It's, it's very reminiscent of some of the older titanium watches when they were using just sort of grade two, and they had that sandblasted look to it, uh, which is actually qu- kind of well rendered here. Like this is actually better than probably some of the watches that, that Bamford was thinking about. Here, I'm going to hand it to you. You can take a look because You've never yeah, seen this before. I have not. What are your first impressions? I love the dial. It's got
1: a circular kind of a radial pattern on it. It's cool. I feel like George Bamford has kind of taken his approach and kind of slowed it down a bit. He's a lot more um, constrained in a very good way. Slowed down? Yeah. What do you mean by that? Um, It's not as loud
0: as some of his pieces have been. Okay, Uh, sure. Am I wrong here? Um. No, I think you're right. I think that some of the Bamford watches have really tried to be like, I never thought you never thought you'd saw a Rolex in this color. Exactly. And this is more like, it's very tool watch. It has just enough of his sort of signature yeah. color pop in the hands and if the you dial. Took, if you took his name
1: off the dial, you wouldn't immediately guess
0: it's a Bamford watch. That's true. But I think at the same time, what I like about it is despite the case shape, you wouldn't also immediately assume it's a tag lawyer. Because yeah. I've never seen any tags with that particular style and, and color thing. His
1: kind of thing now is with the second hand, he kind of has like a candy cane pattern. Yeah. I think he did this, the same thing with um, the GP yeah he collaborated with right
0: so that's interesting because about at, at, at basically the same time they released a gerard perigo laurieta which is not part of lvmh that that he worked with them on that was branded bamford and then like it was a couple days later basically that tag hoyer announced this aqua racer um that was kind of interesting and you saw that gerard perigo yeah yeah
1: um
0: wh- which you know were these different did gerard perigo it differently i mean that's how that's a white
1: ceramic case and bracelet watch, so it's a pretty special piece. But in the same way, he didn't, um, other than a few touches on like the seconds hand, he didn't really screw around with what is attractive about that piece. He just kind of made it
0: black and white. Mm-hmm. It, it was. It looked very cool, though. It, it is really nice in person, I have to say. Did you notice that on this Tag Heuer one that there's a magnifier over the date? I Correct me if I'm wrong, I've never seen that on a Tag Heuer before, at least on an Aquaracer. Is that part of the standard collection? That is a great question that I cannot answer right now. I, I, th- I feel I like I have should... seen... A on a Tag? Like, Maybe. Yeah. I, I could be wrong, but I feel like that's interesting. Again, so we see right. these things and... I know that he's a big Rolex fan and Rolex obviously popularized right. that. Other brands have done it as well, but I'm wondering is that is that like a little nod to it? Maybe. Yeah, I I I could, I, could be foolish cuz I'll go on the tag website all along uh, to be it. I know you're now you're curious now. Well, yeah. Well, now I got to know. I'm looking at the back here. I'm trying to see if there's any other little nods to him. There's like a little diver like a little engraving of a diver helmet. It's always funny cuz on the back of dive watches it's like you don't necessarily have to engrave something which is suggestive yeah. of the theme. It's got a Cyclops. Okay, so it does have a Cyclops. Okay, so I'm totally making it. Okay. But see, that's the thing. I wouldn't even know it. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. Now, I, it, it's, it actually sticks out more on this watch. Okay, so this is the, the Tag Heuer Bamford Aqua Racer in titanium. It was a limited edition, and that's one of the watches which is in right now. Let's let's move on to something. Uh, and it's priced it,
1: at how much again? Do you know?
0: Oh, it's putting me on the spot right now. Right, right. it's like three or four thousand, something like that. Okay, I think it's like four. We, this, these are some of the little details we forget. Okay, so now I'm, I'm looking at a different watch here, basically completely different, although um, another Swiss brand. This is the Tudor Royal, and watches like this. I think they used to be called Tudor President, basically. Yeah, it's basically the, the the Tudor President, and this is the new one that just came out uh it's the Tudor Royal 41 it's it's sort of a recreation of a lot of looks that that Tudor has done over the years um finally for the world market cuz i don't really know if these watches are ever actually available in in north america um and again like you said it's it's basically positioned as you know the the Tudor's version of the the date the Rolex data. and Tudor is part of Rolex it's significantly cheaper. This, this is so you're looking at the fanciest one. This right. is the steel and yellow gold with the, the the eight diamond hour markers. And I forget the exact price, but this is under four thousand, I believe. Really? Yeah. So this is like about this uh, within within the again. I'm not going to look at the the computer right now, but this is like within the range of the Tag Heuer. Really
1: nice. Yeah. Really nicely finished.
0: It's, it's nicely done, but you know, that nice bezel, that bezel like, is controversial.
1: Is it? Why? It's uh, a bit too much for people? Is that the.
0: Well, okay, so the Datejust and the President are so well known because of the fluted yes. Rolex bezel. And Tudor has always tried to create a more accessible price point within the same thing. Even for a long time, there was a Rolex Submariner and there was the Tudor Submariner. Right. Like they both had Submariners. So the Tudor has always been sort of the entry point. And these days, that's still the case, even though Rolex is trying to, of course, make sure that the product families are different. Right. But with the, you know, a President is all gold. It's not two-tone. The Datejust would be the two-tone. I mean, the cheapest price for a President is, I mean, over $30,000. So this one being just a few thousand bucks, they're not really competitors, but they can't offer the same full gold Fluted bezel. Yeah. So they have this one has a gold bezel, but it has like a less. It's like expensive way of fluting. It's, it's more like a like visual trick. It's a half trick.
1: fluted bezel. It's kind of got like it's. Well, no, it's not fluted, I guess, but it's kind of got it's, these stripes, and then it's solid, and then stripes,
0: and then solid. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's supposed to play with the light in a similar it way. Does. It's, yeah. I'm not it's opposed to it. It's just kind of funny that, you know, and when you see a picture of it online, the bezel actually pops out a lot more. Oh, yeah. Whereas when you're wearing it, it's, you don't really see it as much. You mostly see the dial. But it's it's nicely done. I think it's Tudor It's a really nice a dress watch, for sure. Right? It's a really nice dress watch. I, I reviewed a couple of years ago a watch that had a funny name. It was a Tudor Style. Right, which I remember was, those. Yeah, which was an even more conservative dress watch. It yeah. didn't really do it for me. Like, they were nicely made, but there was just no personality.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And now you have the Royal which I think does what they were supposed to do. It has just a lot more personality. It's still conservative, but a lot more personality. Yeah, it's a great piece. I like it. Did you like it before you saw it? I have to say,
1: I can't even think about the last time that I saw any pictures of this watch. It just came out recently. It just came out, and I didn't even think about it, to be honest. And now now here it is, and now you're thinking about it. It's a nice piece. I mean... If you're paying under 5 grand for one of these it's right it's a it's it's hard to think of uh who could give you something as nice I
0: I I think that that's part of the tutor. A day and date indication too you know Okay but that's it's funny you mentioned that because like you know you could get one of those inexpensive Seiko's that wow. has a day date movement or you know something like that right. is is day date itself a luxury complication? It is when it's
1: at the 12 o'clock marker and in the president's style. Okay, know.
0: so let's explain to people what that means. That the, means the full day of the week is spelled out. It's not an abbreviation. Nice and big. In a sort of panoramic window yeah. right under the 12 o'clock indicator. Yep. Which, again, other watches have done, but this was wow. popularized by the Rolex Day-Dates and there have been other tutors to do it, but, um, you know, it's 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 a good look. Yeah. And the font is the biggest font on the dial. Yeah, that's actually interesting. So the the day of the week font is actually bigger than the Tudor logo itself. So it's like it really wants to know what day it is. Again, it's nicely done. What do you think about the diamonds? Because the same watch is available um, without diamond hour markers, just full Roman numerals. I mean, that's up to you, right? I like the diamonds. I think it looks nice with
1: them. It's incredibly shiny with them. Um, I'm not sure what
0: the premium is. Uh, I think it was less than less than a thousand, but it was a few hundred dollars. I think so. It's up to taste. I probably would not get the diamonds. But isn't part of this watch its ability to sort of have that shininess, and the diamonds just add a little bit more sparkle? They do add sparkle. Sparkle. It's about taste. It's Look, about taste at the end of the day. Rolex and Suter know that when pe- for people that want to buy these watches, sparkle's like a big deal. <laughs> like I I Sparkle? No, it is. They yeah. you know, they, they go into a store, nice, they put yeah. it on. The lighting in a lot of watch stores is meant to emphasize sparkle and they wear it on their wrist. And if there's not enough sparkle, they're like, what do you have which which has more sparkle to it? Yeah. And so, that's it. I'm going to call this watch the Royal Sparkle. The Royal Sparkle. Royal Sparkle 41. I love it. Okay, let's move on. We got more stuff here. I'm trying to figure out should I stay mainstream or should I just randomly pick up some weird watches? Pick
1: up a weird one.
0: Okay, well, here's this is one that I've enjoyed wearing a lot. This is the Unimatic SpongeBob SquarePants um, 2. And this is the, I think this is the U1. SS-2, that's the model. And this is a watch that has, it's officially licensed. It's got SpongeBob right on the dial. It's yellow. It's got sort of a yellow bezel and strap that is actually meant to evoke um, SpongeBob wearing socks. Actually, that's the whole idea. Oh, that's yeah. disturbing. So See, when I, when I first got this watch, it was actually funny because I was like, the strap's on backwards. <laughs> I was like, that's, that's very weird. Like, is that a mistake? Because that's actually happened before. Watches have come packaged with right. the strap backwards because someone just did it wrong. Yeah, yeah. And then I realized, no, it's supposed to be that way. Um, And and the sort of colors here, again, are supposed to evoke the colors of his socks. Now, this watch was a limited edition of, like, I want to say, like, 100 pieces or something like that. And it sold out, like, instantly. There was a black version as well that came out. That actually had a different dial. that didn't sell out as quickly. Um, But does it surprise you that something like this would sell out right away? No, there's 100 of them.
1: It's pretty nicely done. I mean, he's kind of creepy, but I get it. You're not a it's SpongeBob fun. fan? I am. I like SpongeBob.
0: Um, I do find his face kind of weird, though, but it's super well done. I mean, he is supposed to be a cartoon sponge. I mean... Spo- a talking it, sponge. I know, but if you like, actually see a live sponge, there's nothing relatable about them.
1: Yes, that is true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a nice bezel. That's my favorite part about this watch. The bezel? Yeah. Why exactly? I love the bezel. It just looks nice. Um,
0: it's well done. It's smooth. It's clean. It's a unimatic. It's cool. I think the price was about 750 euros or something like that. Oh, sure. That. Yeah. So under a thousand bucks, got a Seiko like NH35 movement in there. Not, I mean, do, do you think that the consumers and collectors are increasingly wanting like Fancier movements, or is using these types of movements totally okay within watches like this?
1: I think it's totally okay. I think being a movement snob for you know a fun watch that's
0: under a thousand bucks is silly. You know, so that's actually funny because that's going to lead me to the next watch. Ironically enough. Oh, okay. Um, So this is. Oh yeah. This is the this is the Wilbur watch. And this is also the magician. this is the the, this is they call this the JWA, uh, which basically I think is just Jason Wilbur automatic. Now, Jason Wilbur is an industrial designer who lives here in California. And I think most of what he's done is in like vehicles and automotive and things like that. But he has done watch design. And the most famous design that Jason Wilbur has has done in the watch space has been the Devon Tread one. And two, I think he did the Tread 2 as well. Super cool pieces. Super cool pieces. Came out probably over a decade ago now. Yeah, I think Um, so. They were, I think, innovative because it was sort of the most expensive and elaborate electronic watch. Right. It had a couple of motors in there that would move belts. And so time was told on belts, and it was really crazy looking and cool. And then sort of out of the blue, he comes up with his own brand called Wilbur, and this is the first sort of design. This is a cool watch, but it's no doubt going to be controversial because it has a pretty high price point. It's a very elaborate construction, but it has a Japanese movement in there, probably a similar movie, either a Miyota or an, another Seiko. And it's, you know, at least as, as, as of now, it's, it's nearly $13,000. Wow. Again, a limited edition. And again, the case is really elaborate. The packaging is super nice as well. Um. But it's got a movement in there that I think does not necessarily suggest that. Like it's sort of like the watch didn't, emph- didn't focus on the movement right. or like for- forgive the movement or something like that. According to Wilbur, they like that movement for a couple of reasons, mainly because of the size and it could fit this way. Because if you look at the case, the case is kind of square, a lot of weird skeletonized bits to it. And then the movement is kind of suspended in its own little kind of case in the middle of this. And there's like see-through areas around it. And it's incredibly thick. Yeah, like, I mean, look if you if you see these other designs, maybe? it's I, I call it optimistic futurism. Yes. You know, it's not right now. There's a lot of sort of dystopian futurism, but this is like from a guy that loves the future and wants product design to be more modern. And you know, again, it says on the back of thing like racing fuel only. It's sort of yeah. a call out to you know automotive stuff which he's mostly known for but this is like a combination of like we have some automotive automotive design elements in here you can see sort of the tread on the strap but it also has it's also very much a tool watching the sort of a military angle as well um he he kind of imagines it as being for some type of like very macho space warrior well there is a space force now so there is a space force now it's kind of
1: like a sci-fi santos to me with a very cool, I kind can sci fi Santos right? that has a sticky a stickiness to it. Like, it's incredibly well done. The case obviously took a bunch of work, you know. Um, the movement is a bit of,
0: you know, that's not, the hard part to stop. It's not
1: gonna wow you, but it finished incredibly well. It's super cool. 13 grand is a ton of money, but people have tons of money and. <laughs> They like to have fun. I think, you know...
0: It's about the same price as the Crude, ironically. Which one would you spend your money on? The Crude or the I Wilbur? mean, they're just... I think the point I was trying to make is they're, they're very so different. different. Yeah. Like, so, so different. I mean, I think the Crude, what makes it interesting to me is the fact that they had a cast silver case. Right. And so cast watches, you don't see them because they end up looking really rough anyway but it's this point of the brand. And then Sterling Silver you almost never see for watch cases. The Wilbur is is less about exotic materials. Not that silver is exotic material, but for watches it might be a little bit. And what do you try? So, Bilal is holding up the buckle to his Grand Seiko. You're trying to it's show that the buckle is... as a, big as the dial Yeah, so the, the Wilbur watch's <laughs> buckle is nearly as big as his Grand Seiko, <laughs> as wide. It's really funny. It, you know, it's funny because that style of buckle, I call that Panera- like a Panerai style. Yeah. And... That look of buckle, of course, he kind of changed it there, but that sort of like weird shape to it is. (laughs) Well,
1: with the Panerai thing, the crown guard also is
0: kind of like, you know, his own take on. The Panerai one opens, but if you see there's little screws, the watch actually comes with like a small small tool. You could actually, I'm imagining you could unscrew that crown guard if you wanted to. Oh really? Yeah, that's what I like it about like comes there's off. there's a small wrench that comes with the watch and if you wanted to I think the wrench is there so you can because it comes with a different strap to, to undo the uh, the the bars for the the straps but it it seems to use the same screws on the case so like there should almost be a warning of like don't disassemble the case. Right. <laughs> that's pretty funny. <laughs> Cuz someone might not know that they might not realize like oh this is for the strap yeah, well, the same size screws are, like, on the bezel or the back of the case. <laughs> yeah. So, imagining someone going a little bit too far. I would mess that up, I think. I've, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. that's the type of warning you should have in the box. Like, it's, it reminds me on the Bell & Ross, uh-huh. on the back of the BR-1 and the BR-3, there's a screw, and there's actually a little message on there that says, do not unscrew. Right. And I used to think that was a joke, like, they're just to see what happens. But actually, that screw, because of the way the case is holds the movement, to the back of the case, <laughs> but they at least thought yeah, that yeah. someone might be do something like unscrew it, so they have something that says "Do not unscrew." That's smart. Yeah. So okay. So that's the Wilbur, um, the JWA, and I'm looking forward to us uh, writing about that. Okay, let's move on to Pequene. Pequene. What I love about this brand is that it's been around for a while. Not that many people know about it, and they're very intimidated to try to pronounce the name of the brand. It's very difficult. Yeah. So it's it's. This is how it's spelled: P E Q U I G N E T. It's it, a and, mouthful. Yeah, it's it's a mouthful. It's it sort of perfectly sort of defines that, um, you know, like I, I think a lot of French luxury. There's these terms that look nice, but no one really quite knows how to yeah. like pronounce it. Uh-huh. Um, I'm trying to think. What are some of the more common ones out there? Just you know, you and I sort of like now grew up around, you know, these brands that obviously. Pronunciation is key, but a lot of people don't know how to pronounce them. Like, um, right? Like, it's, I, I think I think on the Italian side, like one thing, like Versace. Right. Like, if you didn't know that it was Versace, you could look at the word and be like, I don't know how to pronounce that. Right. You yeah. know. So between the Italian and French luxury brands, there's all these names right. that you just you would you wouldn't know. Um, this is obvious, but this isn't like a Paris-based brand. This is actually located just outside the Swiss watchmaking country around the Jura, but in France. Okay, so it's I've like never seen any of their watches in person, yeah. actually. So this one right here is called the Royal Titanium, and I think what's most interesting for me about it is it has their own movement, and this is a movement that they've been making for a while, improving upon. This watch is, is six thousand five hundred euros, I believe. It has the time, has a day date, a subsidiary second style, and a power reserve indicator. It's 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 um. It's 72 hours of power. It's actually 88. Now, this is something interesting I've never seen on a watch before. So, if you look here at the dial, you see it has 88 and 72. 72 is the maximum power reserve they recommend for it to have accurate timing. Okay. At 88, the the spring is so tightly wound, the watch will run fast. Right. So the movement could last for 88 hours, but they make it very clear that you should really only keep it at right. 72 or 100. That's under. so funny. That yeah. They
1: actually, right, yeah.
0: It's on the dial, 88. Wow. But it's kind of, it, but again, if you didn't read like the instructions or no, it just, it's one of these things that requires a lot of research or just sort of insider knowledge. And right. it's interesting because you and I will sometimes get a watch without any explanation and we'll try to make sense of it. Uh, speaking of power reserve, I'm, I'm remembering that I think they changed it, but F.P. Journe watches for a long time had the power reserve in reverse. And there was a very special reason for it. And I was always confused. It was like, why would it go from like zero to 100? I mean, it, it should go from zero to 100, but it went from 100 to zero. Yeah. Right? And the idea was... But the same with the, the Grand Seiko. Well, they, they had numbers on it, though. Oh, okay. This is just sort of a scale. It just kind of goes, right. And and the idea was that on classic ones what was the story exactly that the measurement was how long it had been since you had wound it last okay Some, something like that and so That's kind of fun. He was trying to basically recreate what they used to be like but it was done because a while ago you had to wind your watch around the same time each day right right or else you wouldn't really have it being accurate enough to rely on so it's just like esoteric thing, but it just completely defied all the expectations because everyone today is like, you know, it goes from zero to 100. Mm-hmm. Why would you go from 100 to zero? Just totally confusing. And so when it went to zero, the idea is I just wound it, right? As opposed to 100 where it'd been, right. you know, just a ima- mat. it's not 100 hours, but yeah. imagine it's like a you know, 100 hour power reserve. It had, you know, that's how long it had been since. So it's just, it's, it's just funny how they get quirky with the things like power reserve indicators. Yeah. What do you think about the Pequene Royal Titanium? It's nice. Titan. It's Royal a nice movement. Titan. So so it's a in-house movement. Yeah. You said yeah. interesting. It's a three hertz movement. Like I said, it has more than seventy two hours of power reserve. Right. You know what I like about that the most is not just the finishing. It's but pretty great. The the double um, the double bridge uh-huh. over the uh, the regulation system. That makes it sort of more stable, and also makes it feel a little bit more high end. It's Blal. really nicely finished. I can tell for when, the price when you like a watch because you you intently look at the back for a long time.
1: Yeah, no, it's nice.
0: Blal it's ha- Blal has a stare of appreciation and a uh. stare of apathy. You have to know him well to <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to distinguish the two. Yeah. it's a solid piece. For for it's how much again? It's six thousand five hundred. Okay, yeah. I mean, where else can you get like a nice in-house movement, titanium case? It's, there's just not that much out there like that. And then they have more classic versions as well, but that's like their sportier one. Nice. I like What I think it. is cool about it is it's, it's a real combination of a sporty look and a classic look. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And then there's another Hequene watch here, which is the Murea Hasagor. This, this has an EDA movement in there or, or equivalent, but this is significantly cheaper. I think this is like 1300 euros or something like that. Um, and this is supposed to be their sort of, like, daily lifestyle, diver-style watch. Totally, totally different kind of category. Yeah. Like, very different. same brand, but everything about this watch is different than the other one. The, the only thing they have in common is being, both being from the same brand and both being titanium. Yeah. It's a strange bracelet. So, the bracelet on this watch is, okay, so they're rubber links, but they're connected by oh, metal okay. links. The only other time I've seen anything quite like this is on some of those Ulysses Nardin watches. Okay, right. You know, but not. But they haven't. This is this is done in its own way. That's the thing about Pek One a They have like legitimately unique stuff. None of their things like really look like anything else. It's, yeah. You have to. a so blouse putting on. You have to cut the strap right. to size. Does that bother you? Do, you? do you ever cut your own straps? I haven't yet, but I don't think it would bother me if I am. I'm to. just saying the idea is like to. to because if you get it wrong, yeah. you can't, like, add it back on. Like, if you if you size your watch with links and you, like, size it too small, like, okay, it's a pain, but just add the link back. Yeah. You if you be... cut too many links off of this, so yeah. there's this sort of, like, a part of the, the rubber strap on each end that you cut. And I remember years ago thinking to myself, you know, are they just doing this because they want you to buy a new strap if you're going to give the watch to someone else? Because there's <sighs> no ability man. to adjust this in any way. Right. Yeah, no, there isn't. Um, what do you think about the Hase- Morea Hasagor name? Nice and nice and universal appeal there. Uh, <laughs> I have no idea what
1: it means. Yeah, uh, it's it's an obscure, interesting watch
0: for the price, you know. But it but it has it has sort of a high fashion look to it, right? Like if you just wore this like in an otherwise like nice outfit, no one would be like, "What's that weird watch?" No, like it fits what you're wearing. All black. Yeah, it's, got, it's basically <laughs> it's kind of all black with, yeah. you know, white on the dial as well. You know, I, I think it's fashionable. I think they did a nice job. It is. It's nice. I, it, it, it's growing on me. It's growing on me. Okay, let's, let's move on here, see what else we can get. I've got some really weird Russian watches here, but we'll get to that at the end. Okay. Really weird. Let's talk about Doxa. i got some Doxa okay. watches now. The box of Doxa? Box of Doxa. Now, this is kind of amusing because at first, okay. I thought these two watches were different colors of the same watch, but they are not. These are actually two related but different collections of watches. So we have here a little box, got some straps and got some watches. These are two doxes. So these are doxes in the sort of sub-collection. These are the sort of classic ones. my noise. Ever so gently taking them out (laughs) of the plastic. I was trying not to make too much noise. Sorry. Okay. I can never keep track of their watches. Well, The good thing is that what Doxa does is they actually have the name of the watch on the dial. Yeah. So, you, you'll know. The tiny dial. <laughs> tiny, tiny dial. Yeah, that's Tiny a, little dials. That's the funny thing it's about it. It's so them. funny how small they're down. Yeah. I, it's I not forget a small case.
1: Who it was who said that it kind of looks like a fried egg. Okay. Like the tiny yellow dial with like the big white. I can, see that.
0: It. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah, take one of these. Take no, I know. I want you to look at them because mean. the whole point is, is oh, at a glance an you can determine. Well, the weight. This one's titanium. No, no, no! no they both steel. <laughs> Why Don't you just tell me. <laughs> okay, so one is the Doxas Sub three hundred, mm-hmm. and the other one is the DOXA Sub three hundred T. Yeah. Okay, one the, the, the weird thing is no neither of them is the clear winner. They're like they're actually at like remarkably different price points. Right, right. The one that is less water resistant is more expensive. Makes sense. So there's the Sub three hundred T, which is. Inspired by the, like, 1960s sub-300T conquistador. Yeah, that classic. Was, yeah, which was water resistant to 300 meters. Now the sub-300 is the one water resistant to 300 meters. The sub-300T is water resistant to 1,200 meters. So the case is a little bit thicker. Uh-huh. And you can see there that the bezel is actually thicker because then one of them has sort of the raised crystal, one of them is flush. Right, right. They, they both have the same dial Color options. So each of them comes in six different dials. Um, the orange is the most popular. They call that one the professional. And the other one we're looking at is the silver one, which they call the sea rambler. Right. I'd like to be a sea rambler. Sea I don't know rambler. what that is, but it sounds like but it's silver, yeah, I don't the know. ocean version of the guy that wears crude. You know what I mean? <laughs> sea crude? Like what is the what is like the the Harley Davidson equivalent of a boat? Some kind of a jet ski? I don't know. A jet ski, you think maybe? It's it's a good it's a good question, right? Yeah. Okay, so the price difference. Yeah, okay, so the, the price difference is essentially this. One watch costs about like I think about 2400 bucks. Okay. And the other one's like something like $600 cheaper. So okay. the sub 300T and again, there's and there's only a $40 difference between the bracelet and the strap. I like the strap. The strap is nice. Yeah. Bracelet sort of, it's kind of the got that cool. The bracelet's kind of
1: that staple look beads of, of rice. The yeah. And the, the, strap, the strap a is bead nice. of rice? There's no beads of rice. No, no, right. no. But uh,
0: like, actually, what's a bead of rice? Isn't it like a, a little, grain of rice? You know, it, mi- it <laughs> might just be like the translation. Like, because in English <laughs> we say grain of yeah, rice. Yeah, like but I remember beads of rice. Like, Maybe like in French, that's <laughs> yeah. the translation. We thought, yeah. Okay. You're right. Thinking. I've never been like. I'm thinking out loud. Is that another order of beads of rice?
1: But yeah, it's the classic look of theirs, you know. So
0: the sub-300T is cheaper? The sub-300T is cheaper. Another difference is they both have the same 28-24 movement, but one of them is cost-chronometer certified in the more expensive one. Okay. It's much thinner. It's actually only half a millimeter thinner. Are Are you sure? It is, but the reason that it looks thinner is because on the sub 300 a lot of the height is in the crystal, uh-huh. whereas mm-hmm. the crystal is flush on the sub-300T and the bezel sticker. Yeah. And what's also interesting is the sub-300T has a slightly shorter lug-to-lug distance. So you have these two watches produced at the exact same time, like appreciably different price points. Um, I didn't even realize until halfway through the review that I was looking at two different watches. Right. I that was like, wait sometimes. a minute. That happened something right? Where it's just like, hold on. <laughs> gotta change this article. Yeah. And the and the article actually wrote about these ones already. These are one not ones that just came in, these came, came a few days ago, but like I, I think it was like I was like maybe fifteen hundred words into it until I realized it's like I'm gonna have to go back just and make a mere some changes. Fifteen hundred words into Yeah, just a mere a doctor words. Review. So that's the Doxa 300 and 300T. These are, these are sort of like cult favorites. You yeah, know? they really are. Why? Let, just by you putting them on, why do you think these watches are as fond after as they are? Honestly, there is uh,
1: there is like a dive watch enthusiast who can tell you Broadway, but like I've never been like that guy who's like all about these Doxas. I think they're cool. Would I spend three grand on one? Probably not. But like it's not made
0: for me, you know. I mean, I think what I like most about these watches is the style. There's really nothing else. You know, it's a Doxa. You know, it's a Doxa. That's exactly it. There are quirks, like the fact that the case is appreciably wider than the dial, yet they still maintain a really high degree of legibility. Oh yeah. The finishing is pretty good, and they're, they're priced accordingly. So they're not. I wouldn't say that you're getting like better finishing than price, but you know you're not getting bad finishing. Like you can get like a $500 watch that performs the same way or even less, but it won't be finished as nicely. Yeah, It's a nice bezel. I also think it's cool because Doxa has a lot of real dive watch history. They they were arguably the first company to market a diver's watch for recreational diving in the late 1960s. Whereas I don't know the full history, but like certain things like Rolexes and stuff like that were mainly promoted for professional Professional, divers and stuff like that. Again, I wasn't back around around that time, so I don't know firsthand. But Doxa states that, and you know, the, the watch community is is so you know obsessed with history that if, if yeah. Doxa got it wrong, they'd be quickly corrected. I
1: feel like a part of why it's so hot is for so long it was so hard to actually purchase one of these. Was it? Yeah. How? Like like how the e-commerce platform that they had, or. I'm pretty sure the only way that you could get it was quite complicated until, like,
0: two years ago. It's true. They had this weird system where, like, they were around for a little while. Yeah. Because they did they did e-commerce really early on. They did it very early. But I they remember. were doing it, you know, as one would do early on, <laughs> kind of simple and quirky and a little yeah. bit difficult. These days, I don't think consumers want to jump through as many hoops to buy a watch online. It's like with, like,
1: with Zinn. It's kind of hard to buy one, especially a couple of years ago. And people
0: love that. Yeah, you're right. I wouldn't call it exactly like Zim, but some of the same type of mentality. Yeah. There. It's like, not let's exactly not make it super easy. But these days, you can just go on Doxa's website yeah. and buy it. Yeah. So this is, we're just, we're just sort of musing on some of these funny things. Nice watch. I have actually another Doxa here. Oh. Um, this is from the different collection. Um, what do we think about their little orange fish? Logo there, it's on the the bezels. There, I like it. So, this one is turquoise color dial. Okay, this is the sub 200 chronograph, I think it's called the the C graph or something like that. Yeah, the sub C graph, yeah, the sub 200 C graph. So, this is a a different model, and again, the sub 300 I think also has its own chronograph, but it's a little bit of a, a different design, right? So, this is About as mainstream as a chronograph as they go. And again, this dial color is actually also available for the sub-300. They call this the Caribbean or something like that. It looks great. I love it. The color. Color's nice. And the watch, too. But I love the color. I actually, you know, I think that while the sub-300 is this great iconic look, too many people potentially overlook the the sub-200. The pushers for the chronograph are very small. It's got to be. Are they? They are very tiny pushers, aren't they? I, you know, I guess it, I hadn't really noticed. They that. seem very small to me. But that's kind of good because
1: it's not gonna like stab your hand. Like I don't think a chronograph pusher has to be super long. It actually, it, looks, actually it looks
0: very good on you. That bead, actually, that that grain of rice bracelet. Grain of rice. Yeah. <laughs> good old grain of rice bracelet. It's a nice dial. Nice hands. I like that they have no date on there, and despite the fact that the dial, again, is a little bit small in the case, it's still very, very legible. How much is this one? Oh, I forget. I think it's like 4000 something Okay. I, yeah. That sounds right. I'd have to go to the website. Maybe a little bit less. I, I, I don't remember off the top of my head. You're just looking at it, gazing. I can see you like it. I love that turquoise. Love the Turquoise. What would you wear this watch with? Does this be a daily wear? Or would you consider this to be like a sports watch? Um, I would wear this with just like some shorts and a polo. You know, I'm, when I'm looking at this, because you know you're a you're an Omega Planet Ocean guy. Yeah, and I can see you wearing a watch like this with the same occasion, same like it could be this or Planet Ocean. It doesn't look like the Planet Ocean per se. Totally, though. but it's like the same consumer. Absolutely, it's it's much a, cheaper. It's than a lifestyle a Ocean diver. Planograph planet oceans have gone up there. Yeah. They've really gotten up there. Yeah. And then again, if you go to Omega for dive watches, there's no shortage. No. Absolutely no, <laughs> no shortage, shortage of dive at watches all. at Omega. All great. All solid. Okay, let's get let's get a uh, little bit more interesting here. Now this is this is the most expensive watch that Zurich-based Maurice de has come out with. I've been looking forward to this one. I'll let you um take it out of the plastic here. Here we go. Yeah
1: and you can talk this about this is it the a
0: the grand heart or the grand core as they call it interesting this is a movement that was kind of developed for them by Concepto i think it's like 13000 euros or something okay. like that concepto also
1: has has done movement for um, who else do they do it for a lot of people yeah
0: but they they do a lot of turbions yeah right we it'll it'll come to you it'll come to is you is it their first movement with
1: Concepto or No,
0: no they've been right? buying from Concepto for a while, but this is the first time that they have like it's exclusive to them. It's got the skeletonization mm-hmm. thing on there. It's titanium. It's it's nice. I mean, I think the problem is once you start getting to these price points, there's a lot more storytelling that has to be done. That's
1: exactly, right. I mean, like
0: it's super nice. Super nice. Um, red red tinted um sapphire on the case on back. On the case back. So yeah. the, the front crystal is normal, but the rear crystal is, is sapphire crystal. Now,
1: do you red. think the movement would look better if the sapphire was not red? Because I'm trying to see past it, and it really looks like a super nice movement.
0: But, but you kind of can't tell. Check it out. Yeah, I, I hear you. So this is what they were going for. And I, I do like the little heart yeah, on, on the logo. I like it. So the idea here is that if you hold the watch up to the light and you look through the dial, the, the, there's a skeletonized area around, the, around the, the bounce wheel. And so behind it, it would be kind of red, you know, like blood or something like that. Again, this is sort of like the way the Swiss watchmakers add art into it. But you, you, you're supposed to go like this. So I'm, I'm holding it up to the light and then the light behind it is sort of like cr- casting a red light onto the regulation organ or the heart, if you will. Mm. Right. It's kind of funny to see. It's like it's almost like in you know Indiana Jones. You remember where there's that crystal <laughs> and it has to be in the light the right way. Yeah. Like, oh, it's shining correctly That's- now.
1: Right.
0: So we're holding this up to like a lamp on the ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> Do you see the effect now? Yeah, I get it. That's cute. It's cute. It's it's like it's super. Obscure, like you'd have to be told, like yeah. do this at the right time of day. It's an obscure watch overall, actually. But we like obscure watches. I love obscure watches. We love obscure watches. It's thirteen thousand. Yeah, something like that. Again, a very limited edition. That's a lot of money. It is a lot of money, but again, you know, I, I think it it costs them a lot, right? Like I don't, I know that they're not making a huge margin off of this because, again, new movements, you know, all these special, uh, you know, parts and things like that. Um, at forty-eight pieces. Yeah, super you know? limited. Okay, so that is the Maurice Samoray, the Grand Core. Grand Core. Grand. Well, heart. I think that's. In, I don't know how to pronounce it exactly. I mean, that's heart in French. Oh. Core. I, again, we 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 fail miserably when it comes to French pronunciation <laughs> the majority of the time. Um, I can't wait to get to the weird Russian watches. We're gonna do that at the end. Okay. This is not. This is. I actually don't know what this is. This is a Luminox. I don't even know which model. This is the. Oh, this is about as constrained as I could have thought of for a Luminox. This is, I don't remember the name of this, but this is kind of like a daily dive watch automatic. Um, this is actually pretty nice. I, 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 don't, I don't remember the name of this one. I, I like that the date is in French. Of course, I'm sure it has English and French. <laughs> so this is a, you know, when I think of Luminox, I think of like carbon case, you know, quartz movement, you know, sort of the Navy SEAL style, you know, uh, a, a rubber strap. This watch is a little bit smaller, all steel, steel bracelet, automatic movement. Of course, it has the tritium gas tubes in there. Mm-hmm. But this is sort of like a, a gentleman's field watch, if you will, with a blue dial, I think, that comes with a few other ones. I think, I think this is actually a nice, handsome look. Very mainstream. Very mainstream. Super classic looking. Uh, it's a nice bracelet that it's on. It is a nice bracelet. I think I think what Luminox did well here is they made a good conservative daily watch. And they have a lot of cool-looking watches, but I would I would rarely call a Luminox like a good daily wear. Like the last Luminox I had was the Bear Grills one. Right. And it was like, you know, big case, a lot going on, orange strap, like fun, but like I don't think you can get away with like an orange strap every single day. No. <laughs> this watch. You could, you could give someone as, like, a gift. And so, like, is it the type of thing that, like, gets a watch, like, collector per se excited? Maybe not because it yeah. doesn't have, like, a lot of, like, weirdness to it. But as, like, a gift for someone that has a relatively small collection, this is a super competent timepiece. And it's kind of quirky enough. The crown guard is kind of cool. Crown guard?
1: The pip is kind of cool. It's their kind of signature look. Like, it's not it just, It does like- have a very erect pip. That is one word for it. It's got an <laughs> erect But it's not like a super boring looking watch by any means. It's not boring. It's got I, personality. I just, it's got I'm just, just saying, enough
0: personality, I think, for a everyday wear for someone who's not like a huge watch nerd. Compare it to some of the busyness you see from some of the other Luminox of like military inspired stuff. Yeah. This is like subdued. This is very subdued. I think it's, I think it's nice. To, is that a ceramic bezel? Does it look like it? Um, It does look like it. Let me see. You know, the the way to tell is you just have to bite down with it. I was trying to hit my fingernail on it. I'm I'm pretty sure this is ceramic. Yeah. I'm actually impressed with this. When I saw this watch in pictures, I was a little bit more ho-hum about it. Yeah. That's not going to photograph as... And one of the things I like about this, and this is actually less common... Is the diameter of the watch is not crazy big. I think it's like a 42. But the bracelet is comparatively wide. Very wide. Which is a matter of taste, but this is a difficult look to find. Yes. So you have here like I, I don't have my. It doesn't my taper. Ruler. It's just like a thick. It's a yeah, it's a it's it's very bracelet-intensive. It's very bracelet-intensive, that's the word. And it's not it's not a bad thing, it's a matter of taste, but. I don't. There's not a lot of watches out there that have that because sometimes you want if you want that big chunky look. You have to get a very wide case. Yeah. Where this isn't the fact, so the, the watch actually looks smaller than it is just by virtue of the fact that the bracelet is so wide. Yeah, it's a 42. That um, I think it's about 42. It looks about exactly 42. Right, yeah. It actually, I'm thinking is it 40? Just because that bracelet, right. this bracelet is at least 22, maybe even 24. I think it's a 24. It was a big boy. <laughs> and it's it's a priced at
1: nice. how much? You know
0: Um, does it say there on the tag? No. I think it was in the it's somewhere in the one to two thousand range. Okay. Luminox tends to have a pretty uh affordable price point for their mechanical yeah, watches. For sure. It's a nice piece. I like it. I, I yeah, I, I'm actually looking forward to wearing automatic. that. Now. Yeah. Yeah. It's not the first. You no, know, I had I had a Luminox automatic a while ago. It was um one of their diver's watches. It was like the the Cassell one, and it was like, this is also dive watch, and they were both they both performed about the same. I think maybe that one was like five hundred meter wide. but that was like the weirdest thing in the world.
1: Uh-huh. This crazy
0: like opening crown guard system. Right. It looked. I mean, it looked cool. Aggressive. This, this is so much more like universally appealing. Totally, totally. Um, in a way that you know. Okay, so now I'm trying to think. There I, is. Pretty stiff competition, though. You oh, yeah. it's up to 2,000, like, okay. Okay, but we, we have to, okay, let's get some Casios right now. I got three Casios here. I have no idea what's inside these boxes. So we I have some mystery, up? we have some mystery G-Shocks. Mystery G-Shocks. Okay, we have, uh, oh, this is in the 5600 collection. Oh, I think this is the one with the weird kind of like techie camo look. Oh. With the interchangeable strap. Uh, Which one is this? Oh no!
1: It feels like want, it's got some metal
0: in it. Got a little it's bit of metal. Oh, it's up. Oh, clear. What well, clear camo? Whoa! That's that's interesting. interesting. Get a lot of this. Can I,
1: see
0: that? I don't even know how to explain that exactly. Other than clear it's... camo. It's got a metal case, but a a resin strap that's transparent. It has a camo yeah, motif a, to it. Yeah. Interesting.
1: It's like white and silver, I guess. Yeah. What is the? What is the price? This one's re- 210. two hundred and ten. Like two, Like about two hundred bucks. Pretty that's, neat. That's fashionable. If
0: you can rock it, it's pretty cool. Can you not rock it? I'm not a camo guy. Yeah, but it's I'm clear, sorry, clear camo. Mean you. It's funny because it's like it's stealth camo, which is ironic.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is ironic.
0: <laughs> I've never seen clear camo before. Pretty cool. <laughs> Okay, all right, what's the next one? Okay, th- because I think there's another 5600 in here. No, no, there isn't. Okay, this yep. is okay. This is the GM 110B. I'm trying to figure out what this one is because I like sometimes I know them by the reference number, but yeah. other times I don't. I am not a Casio expert, so I'm just like. But this is fun. Like these just came in. I was like, I don't even know what it's going to be. Oh, okay. So this is. I actually remember asked for one that was more rainbowy, but those were like all sold out. So this is. I think this is another metal case with sort of a not rainbow, but like an iridescent dial. This is an analog one.
1: Or like s- crinkling.
0: Slowly unwrapping. Right. It's got like
1: half of the dial, and the hands are kind of rainbowy, and that's it? It's more like the
0: like like oh no, iridescent. It's not half the dial, it's full of it's iridescent. So check-a-ring. basically it goes from like blues to purple. Yeah. Another metal case. I, l- I love the fact that it's it's for the most part conservative but then you look at the dial and like there's a little sparkle to it versus the the, full the rainbow watch yeah. is like it's like if
1: you're not too keen on it being that bright I'm so happy that nice rainbow piece. watches are back 230 so about about the same about price the same. it's a nice one
0: nice strap Okay let's find the, let's find the last one here okay. So the last one here. What is this? This is, a G- this is another GM 110. I don't even know what this one is. I get really jealous of the people that can remember a watch by the reference number. It's just way too abstract for me. I, I mean, with Seiko and
1: Casio, the Japanese brands, actually. It started, with, it started with Patek. Yeah. Well,
0: but they've got some words in there, at least. Yeah, but like how many things can you call Calatrava? Like, there's so many watches called Calatravas. Like, how do these things even look the same? Okay, so this is another one from this clear camo collection. Huh. This is, again, this is the same thing a polished steel case with this transparent strap, just from a different, um, a different Casio collection, which is the, the GM 110. So, the other one was the, the, the 5600. About the same price, a little bit different here. This has an analog digital dial. This actual case and dial combination has been one of the most popular for Casio. Like, they've sold so many of these GM110s, right. and they keep rendering it in these interesting ways. Why do you think this particular style has been so popular for them, this, this sort of, like, analog digital look? But this specific one. Are you asking me? Yeah, I'm just saying, you know, (laughs) again, you're you're wearing it right. It looks hip Um,
1: on you. I mean, the price is probably a very big part of it. Um, It's a G-Shock. It's a, you know, pretty well-known kind of name around here. In terms of the practicality, it's kind of hard to beat.
0: You have a G-Shock, sir, right this way. Come on in. But, yeah, you see these everywhere. Yeah, this I mean, this is a brand new one that came out. Well, yeah, not that specific one, but... Why do you think people are willing to take a G-Shock a little bit more seriously if it has at least partially an analog dial? What is it about actual hands? I mean, Ca- It's Cassie, more grown-up, I think, is how people see is it. Is it a more grown-up thing? I think that's how people see it, yeah. I've always wondered about that because I've talked to Cassie about this and they've said, we're not really sure why... But for some reason, when we put the analog hands on there, it's considered a little bit more of a mature. It looks product. like
1: a real watch. I think that's what people think. There's a digital watch, and then there's a
0: real watch. There's this like a there's hands. like an engineer. There's like a digital watch engineer at Casio, and we're crying now. It's like, but we have real watches. Oh, I, I think you're right. It has something to do with the sense of value. Whereas, while people associate. Digital watches with precision and reliability and functionality—they're not necessarily seen as like luxury goods. Yeah, and as we know, there's very few of any luxury digital watches. But you put some hands on there, and you have more of a three-dimensional effect. Um, this is this is a this is a really cool watch. I, it just amazes me how you know Casio will continue to come out with stuff that like I'll never guess. That this could have come like a metal watch yeah, they, or the clear. They've got so many know, watches also that come out like they're constantly churning out new pieces. I love that stuff. I yeah. just love the unpredictable. and we don't have that from so many other brands. you just no. like you want to be excited. Green. Well, the price point I think kind of makes that more
1: accessible for yeah. them to do.
0: Yeah, possibly. Okay, two hundred
1: thirty well, bucks. You know,
0: we've we've got we've gone almost. Uh, Almost out of time now. We still have some more watches. Time for so, Russian
1: watches, I think. Right. Ru- okay.
0: We're going to do. There's two Russian watches. These were sent from Ru- Russia. These might actually be the only ones in the United States right now. Oh, wow. And this is from a brand. This is a revived brand um, called Slava. So Slava was one of the Russian brands. Uh-huh. Um, Raketa is the one that a lot of people think about because it's still operating. Right. I don't know if Slava was always operating or it came back recently. Um, but we have two here. In the, we'll start with the less weird one, so I'll let you open this one. Okay. This is, this is a dive watch, and a lot of these are, of course, inspired by some of the classic Russian military watches and things like that. Um, opening up the box here. Slava, 1924. So there's a, you know, open the box, and, of course, the, the brand is in Cyrillic. Yeah, Slava. <laughs> I mean, that's just a woman's name. Oh, oh, hello. So, I don't even know how
1: to describe this case shape. It's like, How would you describe a case shape, Olof? It's like a pentagram. <laughs> it's like, no. It's a... I call it shield. Sh- yeah, shield, shield is actually pretty pretty uh, apt here. Um, I'll have the link in the show notes so people can actually... They can take a look at this, but this is a this is a real hefty piece
0: here. Of course. It looks la- like, a like, this, this like a shield. I like the handwritten note on there. It's, the number is handwritten. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> I don't remember the name of this one, but okay, so again, this is this is a dive watch. It has, you know, there's sort of a look that Russian watches have. This is definitely there. It's like um, a- but it's very different looking. So from a from afar. It kind of looks like a dive watch that you would expect, and you come closer, you're like, "Oh, the case is different, the dial's a little different." It's not bad. It's like a Flopperoff, you know? Yeah, it's like a Russian Flopperoff. Like Interesting. How much is this? Do you know what the price um, is? Um, offhand, I don't know.
1: Okay, everything's in Russian. So.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. It's like it's a Russian product for the Russian market that I think you can now buy outside of the Russian market, but like this had to be. Shipped from Moscow. Five hundred meters water resistance. I mean, look, Russian sport watches, especially their military and dive watches, that they made—they were no laughing matter. I mean, these were these were like oh, serious tool watches. I believe it. So is that is that is that a little pusher to move the bezel, just like uh, on the Omega, or is that a helium release valve? This,
1: I think, it's a helium.
0: Is a, a helium release, release valve. valve? I'm just looking. I haven't even had a good chance to take a look at this thing. Yeah, check it out. Well, actually, I'm gonna let you hold on that while I open the last watch. I, took, I, I'm gonna, I, I did take a sneak peek at this watch. Uh-huh. This is super weird. And this is what I love about some of the Russian watches because they get, they get weird. Yeah. Really weird. <laughs> I almost like, I don't want to explain to you. I just want to hand it to you. Uh-oh. Huh. What am I looking at? Well, th- what you need to know about this watch is it was inspired pewter? by Russian roulette. Is it a pewter dial? Is it pewter? I, I don't I, know. I, I can't
1: tell. It kind of looks like pewter or
0: something. Okay, okay give, me, give me the other right. one. No, the, the dive watch here. I yeah. want you to fully experience this timepiece. Okay, I'll put it on. Because lo- again, I know how this watch works. And so Bilal's looking at this thing, not really knowing. There's a lot works. of skulls on it. I think what you need to remember about this watch is that it allows you to play Russian roulette without killing you. So there's a game in this watch It has an actual game. Okay. Why don't you I love explain the, the, it to me? So, okay. So the audience then the back of this watch, mm-hmm. you can spin with your finger. Yeah, and it looks like a gun revolver barrel with I guess six holes in it, and then one of them looks like it has a bullet. Yeah, and when you spin it, it doesn't necessarily go freely, but it has a little stop. Maybe it's like a magnet or something like that that allows it to stop. So you can yeah. you can spin the barrel. Like you would, I guess, like a gun barrel. Okay, but then here's here's how the sort of the, the game I works. I see. And then yes, <laughs> you <laughs> press the button
1: at twelve o'clock, and it opens this aperture. And if you're dead, you'll see the, the bullet. And if you live, is you that just what, see is that black. What, I think that's. Is that okay? So yeah. There's a okay, little so icon. Okay, so I'll it. move the bullet to twelve, and I'll press the aperture. What do you see that? I think it's a skull and crossbones. Yep,
0: it's a skull and crossbones. Very cool. That's a lot of fun. Now, Artya, which is a Swiss brand, mm-hmm. has their sort of own take on this. Right. But you can't really play the Russian roulette game as you'd be able to. Do. Yeah.
1: This is pretty fun. I like it.
0: Isn't that something? Yeah. So when you first see this watch, you're like, this is crazy and weird. But then you have to appreciate like the little engineering that went into it. But again, it's yet another of the watches that celebrate this sort of Memento Moris concept. Right. And there's a, like the, the clasp of the watch has like a skull and crossbones on it. And, you know, there's this little hidden thing on the dial. It's, it's a weird thing. Like I understand Russian roulette is a Russian brand, but it's a, it's a very sort of unique kind of approach to a luxury timepiece. There's, there's a playfulness to it. There's sort of like a, an aggression to it. It's a novel piece for sure. Yeah. It's super fun. How would, really. you, how would you describe the dial design? I'm not really sure how to explain it. It's like,
1: I mean, just look at the picture. <laughs> yeah, you know, talking that, it through is kind of silly to me because this is something that you have to see to really kind of like understand how it works. They're only making
0: 500 of them, which seems like a, a fair number. Of. now, this is what I like about this. I don't remember exactly, but I think the watch is somewhere between two and three thousand euros. Really? Yeah. Okay. Which, again, for something which is as unique as this and there's a limited amount, is relatively affordable. If this was a Swiss watch Asimuth kind of did stuff like this, right? Where not, they would well, make... not a Swiss brand, a Singaporean brand. Right. But like if this was a Swiss watch, what do you think this would be priced at? Probably a lot more. Oh yeah. Oh Close yeah. to close to five figures or more. Uh Slava Russian roulette watch. Actually, no, now that I'm, I'm holding in my hand the other Slava watch here, the dive watch, I've literally never seen a more like more effort put in the case back design. Yeah. Did you see this thing? Yeah, yeah. I can't wait till we photograph this. The I, I, old I, man in the back. I can't read any yeah, yeah. ship, but there's also like relic. This is amazing. This is so detailed. And yeah. yeah, there's an old man, and he, what is he? Is he, is he playing an accordion? Is that what he's doing? I, I couldn't tell. It's like an. It's there's a. Maybe he's not an old man, but he has a beard, so it kind no. of looks like an old man. He's, he's not a he's, young man. He's dressed in a very intricate way that doesn't look. It looks like historical dress. It almost looks like he's floating in the sea, but there's a lot of symbolism on here that I don't. I don't quite understand. I mean, look, but it's so detailed. Like, I've never seen right. a dive watch at this price point with, like, such an elaborate case back. It's kind of got, like a bubble case back. Man, there are a lot of skulls on this other one. There's a lot of skulls See? on that watch. I Like, the, the 12 o'clock hour indicator is literally a small revolver with six bullets. Yeah. Like, sitting underneath it. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: I mean, the the... The, the focus on the theme and the execution on the theme, like you have to admire them for that. Absolutely what a, what a, what a neat timepiece. okay, so we've we've looked at I, I lost count right now. This is sort of a typical you know, a, a blog to watch. Let's see what's in the mail kind of day.
1: Yeah, we yeah. have
0: all this stuff. And I think what's amazing right now is we're hopefully at the tail end of the pandemic. Fingers crossed. And we have not gone to watch show. And we won't be going to one apparently, this even if there's a year, vaccine. Yeah. This entire year. So yeah. So I think next, sometime next year, we will go. But this is how we've been essentially been able to cover all these products. Is so many things come in, we don't get to do these shows all the time. But it's a little glimpse, yeah, as to sort of what our what our day is like. You know, getting these watches in the office and and looking at them and. Some of them, you know, they sit in a box for three months before we get time time for it. Oh, yeah. Others were like, boom, I want to put this on my wrist right away. Absolutely. And what I find a lot is those watches that um, that you didn't think you liked to kind of grow on you. Those are some of the funnest instances. Like this Russian roulette one. Like I haven't worn this out of the house yet. And that's sort of the sad thing because like these days, this is a watch to show like at an event. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And now it's like I have sit to. And play with it by yourself yeah. right now. Yeah, like sitting at home in in you know in front of your computer and playing Russian roulette just isn't what it used to be.
1: No, no,
0: it's got you got there's got to be a lot of heavy drinking around it. Um, oh yeah, but there is a drinking watch. But th- you could essentially gamble with this watch, right? That's a lot of fun. Yeah. you could. One in six chance of skull and crossbones. What are the other symbols? It's not skull and cross. Oh yeah, it's just nothing. It's yeah, empty it's just blank. And then there is like. How fun is that? Yeah, right? Ah, the Slava Russian Roulette. Definitely the winner of this time. Really cool. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Superlative Podcast. I am once again joined by our Bilal Khan from A Blog to Watch, and we'll look forward to chatting with you next time. Take care, guys. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Superlative Podcast. Support the show by subscribing and rating it on your preferred podcast platform. For questions, comments, and ideas, Please email the show at superlative at a blogtowatch.com. For the latest in watch news, reviews, and culture, visit ablog2watch.com.
1: Thank you for listening to the Believe Podcast Network. Do you believe?